Well, welcome to worship this morning. And as Brandon said, it's still um, a real treat to be together, isn't it? Uh, my name is Linda, one of the pastors here, and I am very excited to be launching our next sermon series. And it's called Come and See. It seems very simple, doesn't it? But I want you to think about the best news you've ever had to share. Now, when you were a little kid, it might be that you finally learned how to tie your shoes. And you say, come see, Mom, I tied my shoes. Perhaps it's when you got that boyfriend or girlfriend and you said, come see who I'm dating now. Or perhaps it's when you, got, you invited someone to see your acceptance letter for that college you really wanted to go to. Perhaps it's come see my new office at my dream job I finally have. Perhaps it's come see my engagement ring, come to my wedding, come see my new baby. There are so many things we invite people to come and see when we have something exciting going on in our lives. So each week in this series, we're going to work through some of those celebration stories where people are invited to come and see, and we are invited to come and see. And this phrase really comes from Psalm 66, 5, where it says, come and see what God has done. Now, I like Eugene Peterson's version of this in the message. He says, take a good look at God's wonders. They'll take your breath away. I love that. They'll take your breath away. So that's our prayer, that this series will help give you some moments where you see God's wonders and it takes your breath away. So today, we're going to start off this journey of come and see with a story about uh, a journey. Seems appropriate somehow. But as we head into this journey, we must ask for the Holy Spirit to be present. So let's pray. We do, Holy Spirit, ask for your presence in this room in my words, and each person present, whether online or in person, that you may open our eyes and our hearts to what God knows we need to hear. And we thank you for your presence with us. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's passage is quite long. And uh, I thought if I read it all in one chunk, you would all fall asleep. So we're not going to do that. But I didn't want to leave anything out. There was nothing I could think I could just, let's just skip those verses and I'll fill in some gaps. So we're going to be reading it in sections. And then at the end of each section, we will pause to see what God is telling us to come and see based on that section of this passage. Now this narrative takes place on Easter Sunday, so we're a week late telling it, but that's okay. And it's the story of two disciples. Now, it's interesting. These are not inner circle 11 disciples like John and Peter. They're kind of just regular followers of Jesus. Nothing spectacular, but they were followers of Jesus. And as I said, this passage takes place on Easter. And what is interesting that we find out in here is they do not know yet that Jesus is alive. Like we wake up Easter morning and we know that. They didn't know that. And after waiting three days in this dark space after the crucifixion and no Jesus and all their hopes gone, they headed out of Jerusalem. So let's head with them. And so we're in Luke 24, starting at verse 13. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And talking with each other about all of these things that had happened, 
While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astonished us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. So I think from this passage, we're invited to come and see Jesus on the journey with us. Of our two disciples, one is named Cleopas. So I think the other one is you and I. So let's step into this confusing, dark time for Cleopas. Stand still being sad, wondering what happened to who you thought was the Messiah that was going to save Israel, but you now call him a prophet, not Messiah. You seem to have lost your faith. How could he be dead? Stand still, being sad and confused about the empty tomb. In their sadness, they shared the facts of what had happened, what they knew in their heads. But amongst this head knowledge, there's one feeling. We had hoped. These are the words of grieving, traumatized people walking in profound disappointment and sorrow. We had hoped. I want you to think of times when you have stood still, being sad. Perhaps you're in that place today even. Those are times to examine where we have put our hope. Where's our hope now? Have we hoped in certain people and then become heartbroken and deeply disappointed in them? Have we hoped in this degree from this school would provide you with unlimited choice in jobs to get your dream job, only to find out that your field of study is going through a recession when you graduate and your dream job does not exist anymore? Had you hoped that this new job would give you the prestige you desire, only to find out it is tedious and you're just another number in the company? Have you hoped in a vacation that was going to provide the deep rest and restoration you desperately needed, yet you find yourself back at home after the trip facing the same exhausting life you tried to escape from? When we hope in things that are not Jesus Christ, our hopes can be dashed and expectations unrealized. It's only hope in the Messiah 
that can never disappoint us, never. He's always walking with us, whether we perceive him or not. No matter when we have been disappointed or what hopes have been broken, resulting in us being disoriented like these disciples, Jesus wants to hear it from us. No, he asks us, just like he asked Cleopas, what are you talking about? What things have happened? He knows exactly what's going on in our hearts, but because Jesus is present with us, he wants to hear it from us. Hear him say to you, stand still. If you're looking sad, what things? Share the facts and the feelings with Jesus. He pays attention and he enters in to where we are. Reorient our hope onto the ever-present Jesus. Come and see Jesus on the journey with us. So let's continue the journey. And now it's Jesus' turn to talk. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Come and see Jesus revealed in scriptures. I like, to, I like how Jesus brought the word Messiah back into the conversation, replacing the word prophet that Cleopas had used. It's like he's reminding them of who he really is, the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus speaks to what the real issue is in their disappointment and sadness. They are slow of heart. It's not a head issue with them. It's their heart issue of belief. They had all the facts of the events, but not the reality of Jesus in their hearts. Jesus didn't quote scripture to them. That's head knowledge. But he interpreted scripture for them. And that's when it touches our hearts. And when they said about Moses and all the prophets, they do mean all of the Old Testament, because tradition tells us Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And reference to the coming Messiah is throughout the Old Testament. Here's just a few examples for you. Way back in Genesis 3.15, after God creates the garden, the people, the animals, everything, and Adam and Eve broke what God commanded them. And it's referred to as the fall because it really was the fall of humankind. God says to the serpent who represented Satan in this story, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That he is Jesus. That Jesus is the one that strikes the head of Satan in his conquering of sin and death on Good Friday and Easter. Another reference is in Psalm 118, 22 to 23. You'll like this one because we are called Cornerstone Church, so I had to put this one in. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our sights. That's Jesus Christ, rejected by people around him, but the cornerstone, the foundation of the church. Now, Isaiah 53 is probably one of the most well-known, 
and it's the whole chapter, but we're just going to read a couple of verses. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now this describes what Jesus suffered during his trials and crucifixion, isn't it? And why? To save each one of us. One theologian says this of all scripture, Christ is patterned, promised, and present from Genesis onward. So Jesus enters into what they needed for their hearts, and he does the same for us. When we have lost hope, Jesus speaks words of truth to our hearts. Scripture tells us we are the beloved of God. And though sinners, we have been forgiven by grace. Throughout Scripture, we can learn more and more about who Jesus is, the Savior that died and rose again. And though we cannot see Jesus like Cleopas at this point in our story, the more we understand God's word, the more our hearts will burn for him. But I'm getting ahead in our scripture. Come and see Jesus on the journey with us. Come and see Jesus revealed in scripture. Let's continue in our passage. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. Because it's almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? So this passage tells us to come and see Jesus transform our hearts. I think it's interesting that the same verbs are used here when Jesus breaks the bread. The verbs of took, blessed, broke, gave. We find those in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five loaves of bread. No, five fish. No, five loaves of bread and two fish. And also when he has his last meal with his disciples. That's his invitation. He invites us into an experience with him. As these two disciples said, were not our hearts burning within us? Their slowness of heart had now been transformed when they recognized Jesus and understood the truth about his resurrection. Actually, they finally understood everything Jesus had been teaching them, that it was true, and salvation was now here for them. Their hearts, their lives, their future had been completely transformed once they saw the resurrected Jesus. They returned to the source of their faith, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And what about my heart? What about your heart today? Think about what needs to truly encounter Jesus and be transformed. Is there an aspect of your life that you have not brought into the presence of Jesus, or you hesitate to? Is it a certain friend group? What you do on Friday night? Habits, greed, selfishness, ego, pride? 
to have your heart burning within you, every aspect of your life has to be encounter our living Savior. Every aspect. So what do we need to hand up to God today? After their recognition of Jesus, he vanishes. And they had experienced the absence of Jesus before, right? When he was crucified. And that had left them sad, disappointed, fearful. Not this time, though. Even though Jesus had once again disappeared, they were not devastated. They were now living the joy of finding life transformed and hoped renewed. And their past shattered lives had been restored to fullness. And that's the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, isn't it? And we can also live a life without fear, a life free to thrive and flourish. The practice of diving deep into scripture to truly understand and to see the overarching story of God from Genesis 1-1 where it says God created in the beginning. And then all the way to the end of Revelation with the return of Jesus and the new heaven and the new earth. We see in scripture that God's promises are true. And the practice of breaking bread, our communion, reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice that makes our future and our hope possible. Our hearts should be burning within us. This is the true heart of the narrative. Jesus urges us towards a deeper faith to recognize and discern, not just see. Open our eyes to what is before us. I think he asks us, do you allow yourself to be changed by the risen Christ? Or do you just return to business as usual? Open your heart to hear him, to have your heart burn for him. So as we have walked with Cleopas and Jesus, our invitation has been to come and see Jesus on the journey with us. Come and see Jesus revealed in scripture. Come and see Jesus transform our hearts. Now what? We continue with Cleopas. That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. Our response, invite others to come and see, which means you go and tell. No longer living in dark sorrow, life has been rekindled in these disciples, and they cannot keep the news to themselves. Oh, you know, Jerusalem is still a scary, dangerous city for them. That's where Christ was crucified. That's where persecution waits. But they go. You could just picture them running back down the road, can't you? Going back to tell about their encounter with Jesus. No fear, just pure excitement. They cannot keep the news in. Now, if you are a follower of Christ right now, think back to when you first encountered him. How excited were you? Was your heart burning full of love and grace? You know, though I was raised in the church, I remember the moment when I realized that who Jesus was and that I, I wanted to follow him. And I said yes to him because I encountered him personally. 
not just the faith of my parents, but personally. And everything changed. My heart was burning. I was so excited. I wanted to tell everyone and share the news of who Jesus was with anyone I saw. How about you? Today, is your heart burning? Are you excited to share your story? Are you excited to say, come and see what the Lord has done in my life? If our hearts are not burning any longer, I think that's when we pause and examine where we have put our hope. Where has it shifted? Because it's probably no longer on Jesus. Look back into scripture and find Jesus again. Rekindle your heart with talking to Jesus about what's going on. And remember, he's there even if your heart is not burning. And if you have yet to make the decision about Jesus, and, that's, and you're slow at heart to believe, I ask you why. What questions do you still have about Jesus that all of Scripture brings to us? Why are you putting your hope in earthly things that can disappoint and fail? Jesus is inviting you in so that your heart may burn from within, full of love and grace. Talk to Jesus. Talk to a trusted Christ follower, as you know, to examine Scripture together. Your journey, Jesus is already there with you though you may not be seeing him yet. Note that Cleopas and the one with him also listened to the other disciples tell the story of how Simon Peter encountered Jesus. It is a joy to listen to other people's stories. You know, I have to tell you, that's one of my personal joys and one of my favorite parts about being a pastor. Hearing each story that's shared with me. My soul is stirred and refreshed when I hear other people's stories. They're stories of their first encounter with Jesus and their ongoing journey with Jesus. So I encourage you to ask other people about their stories and listen well and then share yours. Come and see Jesus on the journey with us. Come and see Jesus revealed in scripture. Come and see Jesus transform our hearts and invite others to come and see Jesus. One thing to keep in mind, you do not have to be perfect when you invite others to come see Jesus. You do not have to have the perfect story, the perfect words. There's no such thing as the perfect story and the perfect words. Your story is unique, and so it is perfect for you. Don't hesitate to tell it. I like how Mark Buchanan in, um, in the book, the, Your God is Too Safe, puts it. I don't have any more wisdom in our courage for this journey than you do, maybe less. But if you could use a traveling companion, I would come along. I would be only like one of those two men on the road to Emmaus, mostly confused myself, with a slow heart that burned within. Maybe together we would be able to discern Christ on the road beside us. That is the journey we are called to do to be traveling companions with each other, discerning Christ on the road with us. However, if we're going to be honest, the actual journey we often take from time to time is we move away from God. We get preoccupied with earthly desires or fears or lies about God's love. But because of that love, we find ways to stop, turn, and return to the truth. That truth 
of the relationship with the living Jesus Christ, the one who loves us. The knowledge of Jesus in our lives can hold us through times of loss and grief. Now, through scripture, communion, the breaking of bread, and community with our traveling companions, we remember the acts of faith through which God continues to come to us and restore us. Come and see Jesus on the journey with us. Come and see Jesus revealed in scripture. Come and see Jesus transform our hearts. Invite others to come and see. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we confess there are times we do not perceive you with us. So keep reminding us that you are on this journey with us. You know us better than we know ourselves. So when we are losing our hope or putting in the wrong places, send reminders and people in to reorient our hope towards you. When our hearts are not burning for you anymore, send people and scripture back into our lives who will help grow that, that burning again. And help us to be bold with your strength to invite others to come and see. We ask, Lord Jesus, like Cleopas, that you open the scriptures to us. Show us your face in those we walk with and put some warmth in our heart. Open our eyes to see the resurrection around us. Amen. Amen.